Broadcasting from the Las Colinas-based KATH 910 AM studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is DFW Alive. Thanks for joining us as we discuss ways we can all spread the good news of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith right here in North Texas. Well, good afternoon, DFW. I am Matt Variki, the superintendent of the Diocese of Dallas, and I'm here with Veronica Alonzo, our associate superintendent. Together, we are very happy to take over DFW Alive this week and bring you the Super Hour, a monthly discussion about how Catholic schools help prepare our students for college and heaven. To all of you out there listening live on the radio, the website Simulcast, or the podcast, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We've got a great show for you today, and we're going to be talking about some of the institutions that are making a huge difference in our community by serving our student population during the summer. That means we'll be bringing you Patricia Collins Shotland, the director for the DeBusk Enrichment Center for Academically Talented Students, and Karen Zapatka, the Karen Zapatka Smith, the assistant director. And from there, we'll follow up with Raul Ornelius, a Jesuit teacher who works at the Higher Achievement Program, an academic enrichment camp held at Jesuit every June for the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade boys. All of this is going to mean we're going to have a lot of fun today. But before we get to that, we do want to take you through some of the advice that we can bring to parents whose students have now been out of school for the last two to four weeks. And so the first question that comes to mind is obviously the summer slide. I'm sure parents have heard about it. I mean, if you watch the local news toward the end of May, it's all they talk about. I've got the summer slide, what's going to happen. So, Veronica, how real is that summer slide, and what should parents know about it? Yeah. So it's also known as a uh, learning loss during the summer. And, and you, even if you haven't been watching in the news, if you walk into any of our supermarkets or stores or big bulk stores, you are going to see what, these, what they call bridge books. So pretty much how do you keep your kid active during the summer? Um, because we know typically that many of the lessons that they learn during the school year, if it's not in the forefront of their mind, they're going to forget it. So many of them, when they return to school in the fall, um, and I know especially for those from historically disadvantaged student groups, start the academic year with achievement levels lower than where they were at the beginning of summer. So that's that learning loss. So what that means for teachers is that they have to spend a lot of time reteaching last year's content instead of focusing on the grade level curriculum, um, which is what they want to do. And I know today, you know, our guests are all teachers, and I'm sure that, you know, that, that they can probably talk about that, too, because you have a curriculum and you want to hit the ground running, but then you discover, wait a second, they're all, I know you learned this last year, but how did you all forget it? You know, so there's different things that you can do. Like I mentioned, there's these bridge books, um, you know, that you can sit with your child and have them do it. But I think the important part of this is to dedicate time out of your daily schedule for your child to sit, be it at the kitchen table or in their bedroom, wherever it may be, to just focus on some of this academic work. Um, so personally speaking, my son, uh, you know, we try to make it fun. And so for his particular school, instead of assigning a quote as homework, they said, you know what? We're going to put a carrot at the end of the stick. And that carrot was all these great things that kids love, which is like lunch with your favorite teacher and special pins and locker decals. And for his, it's all on the computer. So the reality is, is if I'm not home or if we're on vacation or if we're visiting family, I can easily say, hop on the computer and do some extra math or I Excel, whatever else it may be. But the point is that he sees that we want to be, I want for him to be active. Um, and that's just kind of the math focus of it. You know, for the reading, at this point, I let him pick whatever he wants to read. So I have a little boy and he loves 
uh, wrestling. And <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, but you know what? He will, that's the first thing he, he goes so and wait, grabs at the library. There are books about wrestling. There are. And I think there's a whole. Quality books? <laughs> like I said, he's reading and the good thing is that at least he's excited. Um, and that to me as a mom, that's what I want for him to do. I don't want for it to be a chore, but I do want for him to kind of be engaged in that reading. Um, now that looked different than when I was a child. Um, so I don't know about you, Matt, what you had to experience with your, I know your mom was an educator. Did you guys do anything over the summer? Yeah. And I think, you know, an important kind of analogy to put into place with this would be to really kind of look at this from the sports metaphor. Now, Veronica, I know this has never happened to you, but occasionally I sometimes skip workouts. And when I do that and say, if I were to skip an entire two months of running, um, it was actually about three years between runs at one point. <laughs> When you get back into it, you're just not ready to go. And I think we understand that physically, and we sometimes forget mentally kids have these same issues. And so I want to give the the example of a, of a six-year-old. So you have a kindergartner. They've just been through this kindergarten year. What we don't tend to think about is, yes, two months seems like a very short amount of time as an adult. For a kindergartner student, when it's three months, I mean, you're getting to the point where it's actually a significant part of their life thus far. In fact, you know, we're talking about almost a ninth of their life can go by over the course of these summers. So, of course, if we start thinking about these things like and how things have changed in the last ninth of my life, I mean, there's a ton of things that I don't know anymore how to put together. So my mother, as an educator, knew those things. Now, my family, my dad was a basketball player, so he was always big on the whole idea of you got to practice and he would push the whole idea of. Not practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. So the first thing they would do each summer, and it's still very emotional for me to talk about, was they would actually pick our TV up from our basement, and they would put it in the attic. And in its place, where the TV had used to sit, and I mean, this is back in the olden days, so this is not like a nice flat like screen. ten years ago? Yeah, this is like a like a 55-pound <laughs> monstrosity, and it was like 13 inches wide and black and white. No, it wasn't. It was color. But they would put books in its place. And my mom was sending a very conscious message that if you just sat and watched TV all summer, you're not going to learn anything and you're not going to not going to get anywhere. And um, to this day, I actually think they they moved it up to the attic so that they could watch it without us knowing. But, you know, that's something I'll have to talk about in my therapy session. Yeah. Later. Now, my parents did not do anything as drastic. Now, my parents uh, worked all year long. And so then for them, it wasn't so much of being able to find the time at home. I was one to five. And it's just a busy schedule, feeding everybody, you know, making sure they're clean and bathed, being where they need to be. So for us, what my parents sought out were some of the resources that the local um, city offered in the local library. So they put us in um, some summer school courses, you know, and begrudgingly, you know, at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't want to go back to school. This is just too much. Uh, but I was fortunate that I had great teachers that made it so much fun that I, act, you know, eventually I learned to enjoy to go to this because it wasn't as rigorous or as structured. There weren't grades and we got to do kind of some of the fun stuff that us as teachers want to do. But sometimes we just don't have enough time in the day to be able to do it and a lot more hands on activities. So that was for us, you know, critically important, especially because we came from a home where um, bilingual and biculture was very important. So we purposely chose to speak um, Spanish at home so that we could strengthen that and do that. And in the classroom, it was very English focused. So in order for us to kind of keep both of those, it was, you know, 
being able to compromise and send us to summer school so that we could also continue to practice our English. And then they at home said, well, we're going to go to the library and we're going to get some books in Spanish and some bilingual books because that's important to us. Uh, you know, so for us, the TV did not go away. Thank God. Um, but we did have to fight over who got to tra- change the channel because uh, we did not have cable. So we had to kind of flip between the three. Yeah, for those of you out there, cable did not yet exist for Veronica and I. We were in the Midwest, and so we had one of those nice little dishes that turned and whined and, you know, picked up three channels. Uh, mine was more rabbit ears, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we had the dish quite yet. Well, you know, just the thing on top of your house, not like a satellite dish. I mean, again, you're painting me in a bad brush. Well, I'm sure some people are out there listening and thinking, goodness, Great. You've got a doctorate in education. Your mom was a teacher. You have all these kind of educational experiences, and this all sounds great, but what if I don't have that background? What if I'm someone who is working a job this summer, and I have my husband and wife working jobs together? You know, how do, how do we come about these things? So what are some simple tips, Veronica, that we can just give parents to say, what's something you can do in 10 minutes, 30 minutes? What's something you can do even if you're not there with the kids? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So in the car, we would keep a stack of flashcards. We went to the dollar store. Picked up a flash of multiplication, addition, subtraction, math fluency, depending on where your child is. There's also alphabets. You know, that's something quick you can put on a ring and they can kind of flip through it. Um, also writing, you know, my son, he, he does not enjoy writing formal papers, but I've kind of tricked him. So if he's listening, he's going to figure out what the trick is. But I said, let's find you a pen pal. So I reached out to one of my college Dear roommates Diego. who lives in Northern California and she has a little boy about my son's age. And it's like, you know what? You guys are going to write to each other this summer. So, I mean, that, you know, you don't, and there's templates online, Google them, there's, and that's where I pulled out the template, um, and, you know, I said, you can even talk to him about your favorite wrestler, you know, that way it's something that he's engaged in, so that's something, you know, that, that you could easily do. You know, as I mentioned earlier, for those of you that are, you know, that are listening, your local public library has tons of summer programs, I know Dallas has a huge ones, and after you read for 10 continuous days, you go in and you pick up prizes, and these prizes, um, I know what they are. Because we participating them, it's like Pizza Hut, which you know I'm not a fan of pizza, but my son loves. It's going to uh, water parks, it's going to amusement parks, it's also, and then each time they also let them pick out a free book, which then you bring back home with you to add to your book um, pile. So that way, if you don't have time or you don't have money or resources to buy some of these, this is that incentive for you to be able to do it. Um, so you're right. So you don't need to be an educator to do this. All I'm asking for you is just to find time during the day because that right now seems to be the most, the most difficult part of parenting is where do you find the time to set aside to do this? Normally I would just let this pass, but I'm pretty sure just 30 seconds ago I heard you said you were not a fan of pizza. <laughs> which is terrifying to me. That's like saying I don't like puppies and rainbows. And I like kittens. tacos. Well, I love tacos too. They're not mutually exclusive. These are these are horrible things that we're learning here today. Um, so I'm so sorry if you're listening out there in DFW to DFW Alive today that the Super Hour has taken over and told you that pizza is not not something that we love. Um, 50% of us here in the studio love pizza, so we think that's a great deal. Yeah. I do think that there are other elements to this, kind of getting back to the topic mm-hmm. around hand. Ultimately, this might be just within the context of things you're already doing with your kids. So if you're taking a summer vacation this summer, 
great time to talk about history. If you're heading to a national park, and especially one that was discovered, say, by Lewis and Clark or by some other historical approach, those things are great things to talk about. As you see those mountains and talk about how they're formed, these are all wonderful things that you can share with your kids. And sometimes just reminding them that we're constantly learning and that we're focusing on those aspects and being intentional about those conversations is enough. Even if you're just reading to them each night and sharing your own thoughts and impressions about your own personal habits of learning, those things can be really helpful, and, and we find that it's a short amount of time that's very useful. You know, Matt, right now, you know, FIFA, the World Cup, right? I mean, we pulled out a map, and we're like, let's find on this globe where all of the countries that made it to the World Cup. And, you know, so that was that's another great educational opportunity um, as well. And, of course, you know, if you have a little one like mine now, they all want to wear soccer. They all want to play soccer. They all want to wear the jerseys, et cetera. But again, you know, being able to have them active is also important because it's really easy, um, you know, to just pop them in front of the TV or let them tune into Netflix. Um, you know, but if you can just find some time during the day to be able to do that for those of you that are traveling out of the country, I mean, you even have that much more to be able to share with your children so that they can continue um, being motivated and that brain continues to work as well. Yeah. And I think ultimately, as we continue to build on this whole idea, what we're really trying to ask parents to do is to think about a continuous learning calendar and we always say within the Catholic Church that parents are the primary educators of their children. And so it's very critical that those parents understand that once summer goes, it doesn't mean that the learning stops. We just change the venue in which that learning occurs. And this is important for life because ultimately while we deal with a lot of K-8 through students within our system and we deal with a lot of high school students and they're trying to work toward a, a real terminus within their education, hopefully it doesn't stop. Just because we're not getting graded for it anymore doesn't mean that you shouldn't be curious. And so in our office, we even look at this from the standpoint of trying to learn something new every day. My staff hates it when I come in and tell them what today I learned. Um, and it's often very inane and, and something which nobody else finds interesting. But, you know, there are wonderful things that you can learn about dolphins. There's great things about national parks. There's wonderful things that I learned about bears within the last week. And so I think all of those things are wonderful things you can share. And when we model that behavior for our students, when we connect with them on that fundamental level, it really makes learning not this task, which is meant to be accomplished and eventually will come to a terminus, but it really just becomes a various approach to kind of the way of life and hopefully something that they would embrace fully as they come on. I mean, this is also a great opportunity to um, take advantage if there's any vacation Bible school programs within your within your parish or within neighboring parishes. I know that my particular parish does not have a vacation Bible school program for children, but they've encouraged me to go, you know, to to talk to other parishes. And those parishes, they have it open to all to children from all over the Metroplex to be able to participate. So that's also is being able to have that faith formation. And I can tell you, there's a C, there are a few CDs in my car that stay on a regular playlist, and it's all the vacation Bible school CDs, like. He knows the songs. He knows the movements. And you know, and that's just kind of exciting. When he's like, Mom, turn off the radio. Let's go ahead and put in the seed that talks about my God is an awesome God, and he has me doing the hand movements. But you know what? If that's what, you know, gets him excited about his faith and I can give out, you know, I can give him that opportunity, then, you know, it, that's important to us. Because I know during the summer with all the traveling, you know, it, it's it's 
unfortunately, you know, my pastor, he said, you know, attendance at church is really thin during the summer because everyone's traveling. He's like, so I'm hoping that wherever people are traveling to, they continue to find a Catholic church there, um, you know, so they can still attend mass. Um, you know, but for those of us that are here in the listening area, we would love to make sure that you're still continuing to go to mass or at least be able to find vacation Bible school programs to the, to support your child, because, um, you know, that, that, that's a great way for them to be with their peers. I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's so important that we continue both that spiritual and moral development as we move on with kids. And especially as we look at this over the summer, we would hope that none of our Catholic schools, and one of the things we really strive for is the idea being we'll never tell a kid this is not something we're going to learn. But we do know in schools that happens. Kids raise their hand. They say, I really want to know about this interesting topic, sometimes because it's not appropriate for the school setting. And we have to say, you know, you really need to go talk to your parents about that (laughs) and also be 18. But for many of our students, they get to the point where they say, well, I just really want to learn about dinosaurs. I want to know how dinosaurs work. And if we have a teacher who comes back and says, sorry, you know, we don't learn about dinosaurs in second grade. That's going to be third grade. It's so damaging for kids. It basically says this thing that you're curious about is just not appropriate for what we're doing now. And the summer can be a great time, though, to re- reinvigorate that love. Let them go down the rabbit hole. Let them tell you something that they're very interested in. And instead of kind of doing sometimes what the natural adult thing to do is, and I have to stop myself with this all the time with my nieces when they say well how did the how did the dinosaurs die instead of just saying an asteroid like i i don't know that's a great question how would we figure it out and you know hopefully the answer is let's ask siri um, <laughs> or alexa <yeah. laughs> which unfortunately she will answer and that kind of eliminates the whole process but uh so unplug your echoes and you know work on those aspects together because ultimately this can be a wonderful time to build that exploration to really teach our students what the important part of knowledge is which is not even necessarily today the fact that comes with it, but the process. Because there are so many things that we just don't know that even if you go back 10 years or 15 years, we would have thought were gospel and fact. And there's so many things which are not necessarily important for us to memorize anymore. But this process, this procedure, it works in business, it works in education, it works in wherever kids are going to go. That's a great place, I think, for us to segue over to the two programs that we're going to be bringing in today to talk a little bit about and we're going to take a break before we get to them. But ultimately, you know, we've mentioned things with the library. I know there's programs that you have your kids in within the Y right now, Veronica. What about these two programs that are specifically connected with our diocesan schools? You know, just give us a quick overview as we start to head toward the break in terms of what this is and, and why it's useful for our students. Sure. So at the beginning of the show, you said the DeBusk Enrichment Center for Academically Talented Students. But for Does t- anyone call it that? No, they yeah. don't. So we're gonna, I'm going to give you the acronym that we're going to refer to it today, which is DCATS. And then the other program, the Higher Achievement Program, is also known as HAP. Uh, so we'll refer to those <clears throat> to those two items in that way. You know, and I know for for DCATS, it started in 1993, and I know our our guests are going to have to fact check me here on this later on. Uh, you know, so it's been around for a very very long time, and they'll you know, and, and we're going to have them share with us as to how this came to be. You know, but back in 1993, the program started with 75 students. And its peak was at about 300, but then they said, you know what, I, I, the great, the good number for, the good balance for us is going to be between 200 to 250. And so, uh, you know, so that's where they kind of
kind of are now. And um, the mission of DCATS is to develop young minds that are bright, capable, and full of curiosity. So exactly what you just talked about, Matt, the kid that said, I want to talk about dinosaurs, um, this is a good opportunity, good program for them to kind of explore that, and they'll talk to us about how that's done. Uh, for HAP, you know, for HAP, they're, you know, it's a summer academic enrichment experience that focuses on basic learning skills through a variety of activities that are similar to like a day camp. Um, and so, it, it, you know, th- this is a program that's by invitation only, so it's a little different than DCATS. Um, you know, but and, th- and this has a curriculum. You know, they focus on math, English, language arts, science, PE, uh, you know, they, some of the music and computer uh, science. And so today, Raul Ornelas, you know, he's uh, one of the full-time Jesuit teachers that comes and is one of the instructors. And one of the interesting notes that I found here that was shared with me is that Raul is actually also a graduate of the HAP program. So. So uh, I don't know how long it's been in existence, and uh, you don't look that old, Mr. Ornelas. Uh, but I think it says here it was in the 70s. And we'll get to all of that in just a moment. we got to take a break real quick. We're going to be back with you very shortly to talk about these two great programs. So stick with us. Thank you for joining us on this Friday. Well, welcome back, DFW. Thank you for joining us here on DFW Alive. This is the Super Hour this month, the weekly show or the week, the week, the weekend show where uh, Veronica and I take over the airwaves to talk about all the great things that are happening in Catholic schools here in the DFW area. As we teased before the break, we are here with both the DCATS and HAP programs. We talked a little bit about what those acronyms are. I'm not going to repeat them again, but basically to make sure you're, everyone is aware, there's some summer enrichment programs that we have for students within our schools, which really allows us to make sure we're making the summer slide an unreality. That was a terrible way to word that. I don't think that was proper English. Which means I need to go back to summer enrichment, which is great then to, uh, to have both Patricia, <laughs> Patricia Collins Shortland. Oh my goodness. We're just going to start over here. It's great to have Patricia Collins Shotland with us. Um, both she and her husband are native Dallasites and they're graduates of both St. Pius X and Bishop Lynch High School. And we're always excited to have our graduates give back to the system. She's worked with the DeBusk Enrichment Center for Academically Talented Students since the start in 1993. And in 1995, she assumed the director position. She's been responsible for the marketing, implementation, planning, and all operations and business responsibilities associated with running the program since then. Now, we talked already about how this program had grown from 75 students to over 300. You know, since then, this program is now maintained at about 200, 250 students each year. Um, in the past, Patricia's worked with both Richardson ISD and the University of North Texas, and she currently remains there in the department as an adjunct professor. She also has ties to the Diocese Be Golden campaign, as her and her husband, Don, were some of the original members of the Catholic Charities' Unaccompanied Vietnamese Minors Program. And she brought with her today Karen Zapatka-Smith, a native of Connecticut, who got to Texas as quickly as possible and has lived in (laughs) Dallas for 22 years with her husband, Ashton, and her two children. Karen has taught in Catholic education for 20 of those years, spanning grades K through 6 at St. Monica and St. Mark, and remains a teacher in our system today at St. Monica. She's currently the Learning Lab Coordinator over there, a role that includes remediating students in reading, math, and other content areas, as well as helping to coordinate a balanced literacy program that's going to be implemented at the K-2 level this coming fall. Karen's also been involved in junior DCAT since the year 2000. Um, just this summer, Karen actually took over the exciting task of being assistant director for the program and happily works alongside Jody Sheffield. So both Patricia and Karen, we're so grateful to have you on the program with us here today. 
Your mission statement reads, the DeBusk Enrichment Center for Academically Talented Students seeks to develop young minds that are bright, capable, and full of curiosity. And I think that's the greatest way for us to segue into some of the questions um, about what you're doing and how you're ultimately shaping the youth here in Dallas. Yeah, so, I mean, Veronica, so, yeah, so many, of our, many of our listeners may not be familiar at all with this acronym or this program or even the history of it. So if you guys can share with us, how did it come about, what's its purpose, and then who is the population that you serve? Uh, Mr. DeBus, Mr. and Mrs. DeBus were philanthropists in the, uh, actually in the Texas area. And, um, they closely watched what was going on in education. And when Blue Ribbon Schools first became, um, recognized, Mr. DeBusk approached, um, Diane, Dr. Diane Cooper at Immaculate Conception and offered her a small stipend to help encourage children to uh, explore different areas of interest and to um, get excited about learning because he thought that the the uh, future was going to be bright if we had the the brightest kids learning things they wanted to learn and exploring areas. So he funded the first DCATS program for students that um, had finished third, fourth, and fifth grade. At that time, Diane, Dr. Cooper, invited uh, students from all over the diocese to apply to be DCAT scholars. And those students uh, had to go through uh, a battery of tests and uh, teacher recommendations, behavior recommendations, those kind of things. And um, for the first three years, it just served those kids. Then after the fourth year, Ron Accomando from St. Pius said, we also need to expand the program to meet the needs of middle school students because often in middle school, being smart, being motivated about going to school is not cool. And so that led to the senior DCATS program. No, so I guess, so you, you, we, we have two different programs, juniors, DCATs and senior DCATs, and usually the students that are coming to the senior DCATs program are also junior DCATs alumni. Great. So now if a parent wanted to get their student involved, they're listening, their child goes to one of our Catholic schools, what do they need to do and what's usually the criteria for admission or in order to be involved in the program? Well, our criteria in junior DCATs is to have a 125 uh, COGAT score, composite score, and 97 percentile in um, two areas on the Iowa test. Um, teacher nomination is how we basically uh get our students, but if parents need to know, you know, how to, how to work to get their kids into the program, they need to talk to their principals if, you know, do you offer this at your school, you know, my kids apply um, or qualify, and so that's really what parents can do. I mean, academically, you know, we're serving gifted kids, and so if they're scoring 125 on their COGATs, they're gifted, not just high achievers, because every a lot of kids are high achievers, so there's a little bit of a difference there. So, if, you know, a lot of parents may say, um, well, my student's a high achiever. Why do they not go to DCAT? So you may have heard days, that. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, there's a difference between gifted and high achievers. So if, they're, if parents really think that their kids are gifted, they should really talk to their principal or counselors at their schools um, to make sure that the teachers do recognize that and um, can kind of talk to the counselor and, you know, push to get in. 
Yeah. I mean, because, and for those of you listening, I know she just kind of threw some acronyms you're not familiar with, they're very educational, but pretty much she just said, you know, you can have a high achiever. We can have a student that works hard and gets straight A's, et cetera. I mean, and they're, you know, they're really working hard. And then you have some students that are just born with this talent that, quote, don't ever have to study um, and just have this, like you said, this high intellectual. And sometimes the grades may not reflect that because they're either bored or, I mean, there's numerous reasons. So what I'm hearing you say is that you really want to work with those kiddos to help them flourish yes we want to we want to just make them blossom you know <laughs> we want them to really thrive in a um, an environment that there are kids like them and that's what we do at junior decats i think um as a matter of fact we had a, a former decat junior decats and senior decats student come visit us um at the end of our program and he said and he's a doctor now and he said that that was the place he felt most comfortable because those were the kids that were like him and he felt like he could really explore different things like if he wanted to learn about dinosaurs, you know, he was allowed to do that. You know, he could do what he wanted to do and study what he wanted to study and it was okay. So let's talk about that some more. Can you share, I mean, I guess, and, and I know you split them up into two groups, but what they do is that different or what does a typical day look like for a student? I think our programs are a little different. You want me to talk about mine first? Yeah. Um, so ours, we have... Now, which is yours? For uh, I'm Junior Decats. Okay. Sorry. I'm Junior Decats. And so we're the third, fourth, and fifth graders. So um, we have uh, actually a new perspectives program. So during the first period, we do it in four periods. First period is perspectives where the kids um, are really learning about their learning styles and... Um, just about themselves, you know, just how their, what their characteristics are. And, um, then second period, third period, fourth period, they can choose from many different activities. For example, we have, um, a class called Mathcation where they build these little cities based on geometry. Um, we have cardboard arcade, which is their, they make a huge arcade out of cardboard boxes and, um, kids, and the whole program can go play them, and we use that as a fundraiser. Um, there's Decats Daily, which is our memory book, which um, the kids go and um, make articles, take pictures. I mean, we just have a ton of different things, robotics. We just have a variety of things, so kids can choose what they really are interested in. And so that's a kind of a, yeah. our day. Pat, <laughs> what does it look like in seniors? Uh, it's a little different. The students choose a major that they uh are in for the entire period, the the entire three weeks, and they stay in that class three hours a day. For instance, they may be in drama or journalism, culinary arts, math, um, uh, we call it rock opera. Any of, There are nine different areas that they can choose from. And then in the afternoon, they have exploratory classes. We had 45 offerings this year, and they choose nine of those over the three-week period. They're quick little classes that just may be an overview of, for instance, um, a sewing class. So they learned how to uh, make a skirt, and it was really quick, but they they learned how to uh, the very basics of that particular subject. Um, we start the day and end the day with community meetings and prayers. Um, we very much incorporate the Catholic faith in all the things that we talk about. Um, this year, we had a um, massive Thanksgiving in remembrance for we celebrate our 25th year. And we also remembered the people, many of them students that um, are no longer with us. So it was a it was a beautiful kind of community uh, experience. So 
senior DCATs, because the kids are older, they they can have more independence and have a little more ownership about the activities that mm-hmm. they get to do. Now, where do you find, I guess, the instructors for these programs? Do they come from? They come from all over. They come from all over the diocese. Um, we have some outside teachers that may have been in the diocese before and are uh, you know, mm-hmm. elsewhere at this point. Um, we just we find people that have different skills that we could use and ask them to join us. And they usually joining. don't leave. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So if you're listening, you there's not see. an opening. <laughs> Correct. If you're just joining us, this is DFW Alive, and the Super Hour is taking over this month. I'm Matt Variki along with Veronica Alonzo, and we're talking about the DCATS program and how it's having an impact here within our diocese. Do students have the option to take a pizza class? And if so, could we enroll Veronica? <laughs> we have at times had a cooking class, yes. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I'm not yeah, going to let you live that down. If you need, but if you need an instructor for tacos, which is what I prefer, I can be a volunteer and have assistance for that. Now, I, I guess, what is the end goal of this program? You know, so if I'm a parent and I'm asking you, and I say, okay, so what does my kid, quote, get out of this? I mean, yes, they're out of my hair. <laughs> they're, you know, out of my house, but what do they get out of it? Well, you know, they they get the opportunity to be with kids that are like them, and so they, you know, don't feel out of place. Sometimes in, in the regular school setting, those kids that are really gifted do feel a little out of place. And I think um, part of it is they, they get that feeling of community, of being with kids that are similar to them. Um, also, just able to explore different activities that they find interesting and, and of course, explore our Catholic faith and um, do things for others. We do a lot of fundraising. We fundraise every year with our Kids Helping Kids program. So that's a really fantastic thing that we do um so what we do is like i was mentioning the cardboard arcade the kids play with play that and they uh buy tickets to do it they we also do um we main business that's another class where the kids are making uh, products and from start to finish do the marketing do the you know putting together everything and then they sell them um and we also do a pizza party or pizza lunch and they uh pay for tickets with that and we do hair color um <laughs> hair color salon which i know sounds crazy but the kids love it it and washes out moms if yes it does it does does it may take a couple days but <laughs> no it does um anyway we just we just do so many things and try to get the kids to really understand that they can make a difference too you know it's not just us adults so um we've been doing that for a while now uh starting with um a dcat scholar that we had um that uh had brain cancer and she wanted to build a playground at her school. So we started with that. Okay. And and it's kind of evolved into this huge kids helping kids. Now, I know that you mentioned Pat earlier that the funding originally came from the DeBusk family. How, you know, how how does the funding work now? So if a listener says, "You know what? I want to support this program. How can I support it or are you self-sustaining?" No, we depend on the DeBus Foundation for grants each year. And uh, funny that you should ask. <laughs> it's 30th anniversary of their founding. And you can go to uh, DCATS Foundation or to SeniorDCATS.org. Uh, There's a donation button there that you can donate directly to the DeBus Foundation. Because, I mean, the teachers are being paid, the materials, all mm-hmm. of these things. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so, and do the facilities, do they, do, are you, do you host them at different locations across the, the area? Does it change every year? Yes. It, well, it's, <laughs> it varies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Senior DCATS has been, in 25 years, I think we've been in 10 locations. Okay. But, uh, recently, 
this last year, Bishop Lynch partnered with us, and we have a, a long-term commitment to work with Bishop Lynch, and they've been very generous with their transportation and oh, their Well, facilities. you're an alumni, so I'm sure that helped too, right, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> but um, they, they've been great. It's It's been a big a good partnership because kids get exposed to Bishop Lynch's facilities and teachers and amenities that kids that would never have gone over there. They get comfortable. I think it's a great place for us to kind of shift the conversation a little bit because we do know just kind of based nationally and especially here in Texas that for our gifted students, um, we have some chronic underrepresentation. And one of the issues with that is just kind of sometimes the neighborhoods kids are coming from, you don't always have the same access to this testing aspect. In fact, you know, for COGAT, uh, the cognitive abilities test, you know, we know what that is. We're, we ultimately went to school for 11 years for it. We got a lot of families that don't. So I'm curious. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So, uh, I've got some thoughts on this and I'll be more than happy to jump in if this is about to just send us down a radio <laughs> horrible, uh, hole. But, um, if you're a parent right now who's at home and so I don't know if my kid is gifted and talented and maybe don't have access yet to this testing and want to know, is this something that I should be doing? What are some of the things that you think that they should be looking for within their own kid? Just simple things we could say, okay, yeah, maybe this is something that we should explore a little bit more. Well, you know, kids that kind of see things differently or, you know, um, you're looking at everyday things and they notice different aspects that you would never, if you're surprised, you know, and I mean, I know I do that with my own kid. I'm like, well, you knew that or you thought about that, Um, you know, just thinking differently than you do. You know, I think that's a a good way to kind of judge if your kid may be gifted. Um, Of course, I know a lot of us all think, well, our kids are all gifted and and they are in certain ways. But, um, you know, it's it's seeing math problems in a different way, not just that rote, um, you know, not that rote recall of, of problems or doing just higher math problems. It's more than that. It's more problem solving. They're really good at that. Um, uh, do you have any other thoughts? Well, I think some gifted students are more sensitive, more um, sensitive to social justice issues, uh, have a very profound, provocative way of looking at things, may ask age-inappropriate questions that you think, why in the world would you think of that? And they may be, that may be a sign of giftedness. One of the other things that I know comes up with us is, uh, one of the examples that was given at our office is if your kid wants to take about a part of vacuum cleaner, then they're probably just a normal kid. After they take it apart, if they want to build something else and can explain to you how it would be better, probably need to get them tested because, you know, these are exactly the kind of students we need. Well, Karen and Pat, I am so thankful for your your opportunity to come in here today and to talk to us about the DCATS program. It's a huge part of our diocese and something which is really important for us to continue to expand because, as I mentioned, as the diocese continues to grow and change, we want to make sure that all groups get access to these types of things. And so often we talk about remediation, we talk about people in the middle, and we want to make sure that every group, underserved population, can ultimately get access to these types of things. So thank you for joining us today. We're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about HAP. We're going to be with you again, and thank you for joining us on DFW Alive. Welcome back, DFW. I am Matt Variki along with Veronica Alonzo, and this is the Super Hour, our monthly discussion about how we lead our students here in the diocese to college and heaven. We're thankful today we've had the option to talk with a couple of our summer programs that are really helping our students within the diocese achieve more during the summer slide. And so earlier we talked to you a little bit about DCATs. We've talked about what our own students do 
throughout the course of the summer and what both Veronica and I did as children so many, many years ago. And now we're very excited to bring you Raul Ornelas, a Jesuit teacher who works at the Higher Achievement Program. So as we talk through this, um, just to give you some background on Raul, Raul is a sophomore counselor at, at Jesuit Dallas. He's been part of the department since 2009. He's been working at Jesuit since 2005 and has been in the theology department and in the language department teaching Spanish. He's worked with athletics for rugby as an assistant coach and manager and is also a faculty moderator of the Key Club International. For the past year, he served as the interim director of diversity and inclusion at the school. He's also, as we mentioned before, not only a leader of HAP, but also a former member. Uh, I won't tell you when he attended. I don't think that's fair for anybody, but he's also a proud program participant. And my personal favorite element is that Raul is also a graduate of St. Mary of Carmel, which is, um, I'm not supposed to say this on the radio, but my favorite school in Dallas. It is just a wonderful beacon of hope over in West Dallas and also the site of where we're going to be building a new school, expanding the current offerings that we have to make sure we can continue to reach the kids in that that area. So it's great to have you on and to be able to share these things with you. And thanks for coming on to talk to us about HAP. Yeah. So, Raul, I guess talk to us about, you know, kind of what is HAP and what what is its focus and its mission? Sure, sure, sure. Um, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Madam Veronica, for having me here. Um HAP, the Higher Achievement Program, uh, is a program that's not even a summer school program. I would say it's more of an enrichment, enrichment camp program. Um, what we do is we work with uh, middle school boys, so uh, rising 6th, 7th, and 8th graders uh, at our school at Jesuit Dallas. Um, the program's been around since the 70s, uh, so it predates my time. I was born in 82, uh, but... Um, I love that this program has been around because I'm working with mentors who have told me that I used to be a faculty teacher here at HAP. Um, and I know it started a, in the program in the 70s uh, as a way to help middle school boys enrich their Catholic formation and get to know more about um, the high school level. And so that's kind of where the HAP program has evolved to now, uh, where I think the numbers were uh, starting with 30 to 40 students, and now we're about to... Uh, 120 and 130 uh, for incoming years that we've been working uh, with HAP students. Oh wow! So that's so uh, you know with, with DCATS, you know, and I don't know how what you, I kind of earlier mentioned that it was a little bit more focused on um, what looked like what they would see in class, but is that what they see, or do you kind of make it fun for them? You said enrichment. Yeah. So um, and I'm glad you asked that question, because one of the things that we do when we're talking to parents on orientation day is that this is not summer school uh, <laughs> and that we are going to make f- learning fun and engaging. And how does that look like? Uh, so there's a lot of design thinking when it comes uh, to the level of classes that we're offering. We offer classes from math, English, science, study skills, reading, um, computer programming, and music. And so the way the classes look, they're not your traditional classroom. It's more of a hands-on experiential program and project. So uh, our students are engaged in creative thinking. They're, they're uh, moving around. They're building and working in science labs. They're on the field. There's a lot of great aspects that we know that, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, during the summer, we don't want to lose that creativity from uh, middle schoolers. And so we know over at Jesuit, it's how do we get them engaged? Let's make them have fun and let's make learning fun. That's great. So again, now I know with the, the previous program, it was they found teachers from over, from all over the diocese. HAP, is it 
all Jesuit teachers? And are they current teachers or graduates? So, so I'm gonna I'll break down how we uh, work with full-time faculty teachers over at the HAP program. So, yes, we do have full-time faculty teachers that are working with us in developing the programs and leading the classrooms, uh, and we also have alumni from HAP that are currently in college who like to come back and volunteer and give time uh, to the young boys. And I think it's really neat because uh, the participants of HAP get to see these men who are in college being their teachers, uh, working with them. And I think that's a good role model uh, for them to have. Uh, so we have full-time faculty teachers from Jesuit Dallas. Uh, we have volunteers from the college level. Uh, and then uh, we have high school students who are willing to give up their time, who also participated in HAP, and who are there to be the teacher aide. And so it's a really great program to be involved in. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds more like what the alumni of HAP are doing when they come back is that they're kind of mentoring them. I know you talk about role model, but I think it's the mentoring component that, like, look, I'm going to walk by your side. I've been in your shoes. And, you know, and how can I help you? And it's, obvi- it's obviously going to look different if you're a high schooler than if you're a college student. Um, and I think that's great, you know, because they kind of get to see different perspectives and say, oh, that can be me in 10 years or that can be me in five years or me, me next year, whatever it may be. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, definitely. I would agree with that statement. I think it's one of the things that um, we're always telling our boys over at Jesuit Dallas how to be connected, how to stay with your community, how to give back also to your community. And I think when these young men come back to be teacher aides and volunteers, it's really a good role model for these young boys who are in middle school to see that, hey, I can also do this and I have opportunities uh, to grow in this Catholic formation. Now, I'm also going to probably assume what percentage of them then continue on to Jesuit for high school. So, so that's a really good question. So right now we have close to about 120 uh, students who are in rising 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And so those 8th graders who are participating in this, our goal is for all of them to apply. And most of the boys will apply. Um, and then, of course, we know that they're applying to other great Catholic schools in the area. And so it's a matter of like, well, where is the decision? Mm-hmm. How do families uh play a role in this, uh, and I'm always a big proponent of, you know, wherever God takes you and God finds you, I think that's going to be placed. I would love everyone to come to Jesuit Dallas, so I'm going to make a little plug for that. Uh, I'm a Jesuit Dallas grad myself, so I love the program, and I think it's been good for our boys and HAP. Yeah, I mean, what I like about it is that, you know, yes, you're right, you would love for them to all continue on to Jesuit, but regardless of where they're going to choose for their high school career, I mean, you have set them up for success. I mean, what you describe with the uh, learning, um, study skills, et cetera. I mean, you know, sometimes for those of us, uh, you know, having taught at the high school level and taught freshmen, I mean, I had students that had never, they didn't know how to study, you know, and I'm sitting there having to teach them versus those that came from a very structured Catholic elementary school where they had already had that experience. Um, you know, so that, you know, so it sounds like you're kind of maybe closing that gap for some of these that they may not have had that experience or, you know, or fine tune it or maybe, uh, you know, to be able to strengthen that so that they can, you know, have that layer of success for high school as well. Now, are there any physical activities that they do as well while they're there? Any uh, athletics? Yes. So I did mention that we are very engaged in the, the design creativity aspect of curriculum. Uh, but we do know that with adolescents, especially young boys, we need them running, we need them moving because we just don't want them uh, looking at a, a telephone screen or, or any kind of uh, just iPad time. So what we do is we develop uh, within our curriculum activities that they're engaging and moving. 
but we also have an afternoon hour of uh, PE electives and recess. And so uh, they will rotate daily when they're outside, when they're in basketball courts, uh, when they're in the courtyards, so that way that there's also physical uh, engagement. And one of the things that um, in, in looking at the activity, and we know working with young boys, we make it uh, how do we work through collaboration, being cooperative on a team, but also competitive, because we do know that young men want to be competitive. So we look at those two aspects when we're also forming the games yeah, we're well, working for. Dr. Variki's competitive, and I don't know if you guys have heard, he slam dunked on a middle schooler last year. So if you want to, you know, to invite him to play with your kids, sure. <laughs> I will uh, throw that out there for you, Matt. He could have gotten out of the way. That's all I have to say about it. If you're just joining us, this is DFW Alive, and you're listening to the Super Hour, and we're talking about HAP right now with Raul. And, um, definitely kind of along those lines, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and I wanna come back to something that you just mentioned a little while ago. It is so important that we have these programs which are continuing, hopefully, to form kids within the Catholic faith and lead them on to our Catholic schools. And with apologies, I went to a Holy Cross school, and apologies to my Holy Cross brothers. It turns out Jesuits are Catholic. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> And, you know, certainly we want to make sure that we have our students who are able to achieve within those local high schools, get into those Catholic elements, because we know, as we talk about on this program all the time, that our students who go through Catholic schools tend to be three to four times more likely to stay Catholic as adults. We know that they're more likely to give. We know that they're more likely to ultimately engage in the sacraments. And so it's important that we continue to build that formation just for the future of our own church. We're in a position right now where actually, if you were born after 1970, there's a one in ten chance that you're still attending Mass regularly today and consider yourself to be Catholic, unless you went through Catholic school, at which point you have a four in ten chance, which is still not great. But we have to move toward these moral high routes, and we have to make sure that we're kind of putting these things together. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to hit you with a gotcha question because my wife actually went to Jesuit Portland. So when are we bringing women into the school? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you should have seen the look of panic. It was a whole lot of fun. I think that was the April Fool's joke a few years ago, wasn't it? Or even this year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I got text messages from friends who are like, Jesuits going co-ed? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 630 in the morning. April Fools, you know, yeah, but, uh, Fools, yeah. we're but, more, uh, we're more likely to get Veronica to eat a pizza, I think. Than <laughs> <laughs> for it to go co-ed. That is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is correct. Now, I know that we focused on HAP, but now I'm going to kind of turn over to Jesuit. You know, what do you guys do for the summer for your kids to kind of make sure that there is no summer learning loss? Do you offer opportunities for your own students? Yeah, so r- right now, so the month of June is very active and very busy um, over at Jesuit Dallas. We have summer school classes that the students are able to take uh, to help them fulfill elective requirements. Uh, but I'm also and really proud of saying that we have done a lot of great immersion trips within uh, this side of the world. And so I've been a part of uh, going to immersion trips uh, that go help serve communities such as in Nicaragua, um, Ecuador, Peru, uh, Alaska, uh, and Guatemala. So currently, we some of our boys are preparing actually to depart today uh, to go serve uh, and and be good agents of Christ in in Peru and in Ecuador. And so right now we have a lot of opportunities uh, for young men to be a part of those immersion trips. Now. 
being a sophomore counselor, I also know sometimes, um, Mr. Ornelas, I didn't get a part of this trip, so what can I do now? And so this past month, we offered a really great opportunity called Urban Plunge, uh, where one week, what we did was we worked with many students, and we would take uh, one day out of the week and go to different service sites in Dallas. And so I think it was a really neat experience because they were being formed in formation, spiritual uh, growth, but also getting to know uh, the issues that pertain to downtown Dallas, all around surrounding cities, where they can also serve as well. Yeah, and I'm not from Dallas originally. I, I come from the north. And so one of the things that's always been interesting to me as I came into the city was just the dividing lines. And there are a number of people who I've talked to, and you start to mention things about West Dallas and going over to St. Mary of Carmel, and there's a lot of people who have never been down that road except to stop at Trinity Groves. Um, there are a lot of people who never go south of 30 unless they're heading to Austin. And, you know, I think those things are really interesting, and I think it's important that we continue to see our city, and especially our Catholic Church, as one connected entity throughout these areas. Because we span from Sherman in the north down to Corsicana in the south. We have a lot of different experiences. We have a lot of different people. It surprises people a lot to hear kind of some of the stats even about our Catholic schools. I mean, we're at the point now where we have about 40% Hispanic enrollment throughout our schools. We're very close to being a minority-majority diocese. We have 10 schools that are minority-majority. And um, some schools which are represented by nine international communities, one of the things we've learned through the Be Golden program is actually that we have about a quarter of the residents in Dallas were not born in America. And I'm going to let that sink in for just a second. These are These are things which are ultimately shaping this city in a really positive way. And a lot of people don't know about them, and especially for our kids, they don't get to experience them because of the geographical segregated nature of, of the city. And I'm guilty of it as well, just with everybody else, because I hate getting on 75. That seems horrible. Oh, but you have an alternative. <laughs> we have one of the greatest public transportation systems here, and I know that some people may kind of, you know, not believe that, but I've traveled to Chicago, New York City. I mean, one of the things that we have with DART, I mean, and we hop on it with my son, it's to explore different parts of the city. Let's go to different things. Let's ride the bus. Let's ride the train because I think that is important. I don't have to hop on 75 and I'm able to support local, but then also if you ever sit on the train and even just drive through Lower Greenville or Deep Ellum, all the artwork, all the different things you can do and when we don't have an agenda, he's like, let's get off here. I'm like, yeah, let's get off here and let's explore and let's see what's happening. In my experience is a little different from most people because I just learned about Plano and McKinney. They're great. (laughs) You never left north of 635, man. I didn't know that you could go that far north. It seems like a whole different different planet. And and I I like to add to that because being uh, in the HAP program, we do offer a transportation system to schools. And so uh, I am the bus driver for the morning routes. And so, yes, I do see what happens on all the highways. But (laughs) I can tell you that it's a it's a good experience for me to be a driver. And there's a teacher monitor there as well from Jesuit. Uh, But to be able to pick up students uh, from St. Philip, St. Augustine and Santa Clara of Assisi, I think it's a really neat opportunity to give students who normally wouldn't be able to make that drive mm-hmm. north uh, an opportunity for them to be a part of the HAP program. And I think that's something that when we offer that kind of assistance, it really does give even more opportunity and enrichment for, for other that's, students. That's great. To take part well, of. I got to tell you, Raul, Pat, Karen, thank you so much for joining us here today. We are out of time this week on the Super Hour. We want to thank everybody who's been joining us and for listening here. Enjoy your weekend, and thank you for joining us on this discussion of how we can get our students to college and heaven. Have a great weekend.